0: This is a podcast about the hardcore community
1: made by and for those who live authentic
0: lives and embrace hard truths. We archive the stories of the bands and people who make this lifestyle possible. I'm Josh Lyons and I'm Greg Benoit. And this is the hardcore archive podcast. Welcome to another episode of the hardcore archive podcast. I'm Josh Lyons with me as always is Greg Benoit. Give us a follow on Instagram at Enterprise Hardcore and Hardcore Archive Podcast. Uh, Quick little mention for anybody from the Rochester Buffalo area listening, uh, July 29th, Pure Heel, Only Shallow, Sawchuck, Frenzy, and Whirlpurge at The Bug Jar, uh, doors at 8 p.m., 12 bucks. Uh, Check my Instagram or any of the band's Instagram for more info. Hope to see everybody there. Uh, Yeah, so like I was saying before we hit record, I'm pretty excited about this one I've mentioned on this podcast, a couple times that I spent what is but a grain of sand uh, in, in my life at this point in Denver uh, when I was 25, but there's some of my favorite memories. So I'm excited to kind of hear about the scene there and talk about the bands there as well as our guest band. Uh, but before we do that, all that, uh, how are you doing tonight, Greg?
1: Oh, man, I'm doing good. Um, you know, got sick kids, of course, like always, but, you know, we're all hanging in there. How are you doing, Josh?
0: So yeah, my kids were just sick pretty recently, so I can relate. I uh, don't know if they're getting over it, or getting sick again. Uh, graduation for preschools tomorrow, so uh, fingers are crossed. Um, how are you doing tonight, Mark? You got any kids?
2: Uh, no, I just got a corgi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm on that I'm on that double income, no kids uh, adult life plan right now. So
0: yeah, we, we're our dachshund just turned uh, 11 this year, so. We were uh on that on that path for a mighty long time, and then in our mm-hmm. late thirties, the course kind of veered off a little bit, and now we're kind of doing this thing, you know. So it's it's fun though, you know. So, but like yeah. I said, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk to you about Denver and stuff. Uh, I spent a few months there when I was 25, and it ended up kind of happening randomly. And I know you and I talked several months back about that period of time, so I know you have some memories from that area era too. And I haven't really talked about it too much on here, so that should be fun um but are you from denver originally or
2: i'm originally from albuquerque uh i moved here yeah in 2004 um and kind of the way i ended up here was i was booking shows in new mexico in like the late 90s early 2000s and met some kids from up here they were in a band called in the crosshairs which went on to become fight like hell and um they like talked me into moving to denver they were like yo new mexico is whack there's like nothing going on move up to denver we'll help you like book all the stuff and you do shows up there and then of course i get rolling and they all disappear off on tour and i'm left alone to do all this shit by myself but it all worked out it all worked out i'm still here
0: Yeah, that's so weird because like I told you when I started talking to you, that's around the era when I ended up there for a few months because I was traveling Mm -hmm. across country in like 2006 and ended up uh, in Denver for about three months. And I know, I think you were at that same Gorilla Biscuit show that I was at there.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: I saw Terror like two times that year too. I don't know if I went to any other shows because I was working like two jobs. But um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure, you know, I I mean – everybody who, who who's from, who's been there and lives there probably pretty much says the same thing. It's a beautiful place and amazing people. Is uh, it still pretty much the same there?
2: Yeah. And like, obviously like a lot of places, like it's grown um, and a lot of people have moved here. So like the, the economic dynamics of the, the city of change, like when I moved here, I was able to get a studio apartment for like 400 bucks. Um, and now that's like completely unheard of. Like, Studio apartments are renting for like a thousand or 1200. Um, like housing here is just crazy. So it's gotten more expensive. more people have moved here. There's been like a lot of companies that have moved their offices here like North Face um, just moved all their corporate offices here from San Francisco. So it's gotten it's gotten hectic, but it's cool. like a lot of um like a lot of cool restaurants have opened up. There's a lot of venues um this has be- kind of become like for some of the bigger production companies has kind of become like their biggest market like for AEG and Live Nation um so we get tons of shows of like all different genres that come through so there's like always shit to do but it's expensive um but it's still beautiful when it's not covered in wildfire smoke
1: We know all about that now. We just uh, we just had a little taste (laughs) of that in New York the other day. And I got to say, I was not prepared for how dry my contact lenses were going to get. That was like the worst part. I mean, the damage to my lungs and everything was probably more concerning. But holy shit, you guys (laughs) put up with a lot. We had like literally three days of it. And like people were calling in sick and like people couldn't handle it. At the
2: at the beginning of the pandemic, I think we had it for like about a month because of like fires in California and fires here. So everything was like extra apocalyptic because it was shut down. But then you go outside and you can like barely see the sun. Yeah. And everything's fogged up and stuff. So it was, it was pretty gnarly. But yeah, I saw people posting about it in New York and I'm like, ah, first time.
0: Yeah right.
1: Nice. Yeah, like that meme. Yeah, I was driving my son to
2: to, to daycare at like 7 30 in
1: the morning, and he like was mm. like, "Dad, why are we going to daycare at night?" And I was like, oh. yeah, "You don't understand. Oh, 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 oh. The world is dying."
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, well, so I guess from what you're saying, then, like, you jumped into booking shows straight when you moved to Denver in the early two thousands, then pretty much because you'd already been doing that in Albuquerque
2: yeah the the first show that i booked here was um outbreak and a bunch of local bands in like 2000 and the end of 2004 um and then it just kind of went from there and that was like a period of time where like a lot of the like bridge nine bands and death wish bands were crisscrossing the country a lot to go to like they would, go from like Sound and Fury and then go across country to play this as hardcore when it was kind of like it's early Inceptions. so we get like tons of tour packages that would all kind of come through here at the same time so like summers were nuts for us um but yeah we were doing shows like year round um our main venue was Sox Place um and then uh we did shows like a couple other venues around something like the Climax Lounge and cervantes and like a couple other like little teeny tiny diy spots monkey mania um and a couple others
0: yeah um i think the Sox place was was the spot that was popping off when i was there and like i told you there i think i think you booked it too I, i didn't go but i remember there was a blacklisted show like right when i first went there in the summer of 2006 um But like you said before, like coming from a place like Rochester, like I'd been booking a bunch of shows here previously. So there was Mm -hmm. usually stuff going on here, but not like, like not like in Denver. And even back then, I'm sure it's the same. now. like you were saying, like it was just like every tour would hit there and just all the live entertainment. And I'm a big sports fan too. So having all, all four pro sports teams there, and I finally got to see um, big Dodgers fans. So seeing a baseball game, seeing them play there was really cool. You know what I mean? So it's a place like Denver. I'm not trying to sell our listeners. I'm moving there. Cause like you said, it's, <laughs> it's pretty crazy there right now, but I've just been, you know, it's just something that I've always told my girlfriend, like one day when we, when we hit some kind of lottery or I win a lot of money in fantasy sports, like the, it's all going towards the house <laughs> there, you know, cause I've been to a few places, nothing, nothing like Denver, you know. I, places, yeah, you know, a, a um, few
2: other people that I know in upstate New York, like come out here and they're like, Oh, Oh, I can live in a place like this and I don't get like 10 feet of snow in the winter. Okay. Okay, I'm into that.
1: Yeah, psychologically, yeah, like when you're downtown and you can see those mountains that are like I don't know 75 miles away and they still look huge as hell like that that like I don't know why maybe it, maybe it's I'm screwed up or something, but that like does something beneficial for me that like I don't get here in, in, in
2: a flat topography like in Rochester. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, in, in New Mexico, in Albuquerque is like almost the same way, except the mountains are a lot closer and a lot taller so they look bigger but they're not they don't go as far back so like that's something i've always grown up around is like having a giant mountain in the distance of like wherever i lived which is cool like you can you know you can you can have that access to nature whenever you want it it's just a quick drive like uh you know 45 minutes or whatever up into the mountains and then you come back into the city and and do your thing it's a nice like little little dichotomy we got yeah. going
1: on here we were i mentioned before we started recording um i've been out there a number of times actually um uh, i work in a public library and the company that makes the software that we like use for our online catalog is based there and they'll have like conferences oh. and stuff so uh and when i've been out there i i uh went one time to Estes Park um i think yeah. i'm pronouncing it like a local um yeah and I I gotta say I didn't go out for the nature although that was like really cool it was like something I had we don't have around here um like Mm -hmm. large mountains like that then when we were driving through um the the town which is like it's like a medium-sized town um I, I don't know what they were but all these like Antelope or deer or something just like wandered into the road and just stood <laughs> there. And then we were like in a traffic jam for like almost an hour while we waited for these deer to just like fucking move. They wouldn't move even though people are honking at them. So it didn't go for the nature, but I did go for the uh the shining hotel. I don't know if you've been up there yeah Oh
2: yeah, the Stanley. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was like geared up for you know it to be like remote and it to be like the Jack Nicholson movie but you like stand on the porch of the, the the Stanley hotel and like right there, right in front of you is like a fucking Costco or something. It's like, it yeah, yeah. doesn't really work plot wise. Uh, maybe, maybe back in the day, it was like pretty
2: remote, but
1: um, so that's my one experience with, with Colorado and with, with nature.
2: Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that's why Kubrick didn't actually use it in the film. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, it was filmed there. But the, uh, um, the outside shots were the Timberline in Oregon, I think, and then the inside shots were a soundstage in London. Huh. But they, if you go and visit the hotel, they've got like a cool like ghost tour that they do, yeah, where they kind of like yeah, explain like how how Stephen King got the inspiration and like what parts of the hotel are actually haunted.
1: Yeah, Jim Carrey was like too afraid to stay in the like haunted Mm -hmm. room. He like stayed in there for like a half an hour and then like chickened out and left. Meanwhile, like on the ghost tour, like the tour guide was like, yeah, there's like the ghosts of children in this room. Are there like any school teachers or anything in this room? we're going to like use you as bait. And of course I like I'm, Since being a librarian, I'm there with other librarians. I'm like, Oh, it's my friend. She's a children's librarian. And they like put her in a closet. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like tried to get the ghost to torment her or something. It didn't work though. <laughs> because she's not a very good children's
2: librarian. Yeah. I, I, on the same tour, I convinced my wife to do the, be the person in the closet at that part of the tour.
1: <laughs> all right. I'm glad they like, don't change or update that tour at all. No, no. No, good good all right this is like totally off topic but like when i went to key west i took a i took a like street tour of like haunted houses and Mm -hmm. i was like this is kind of like this is this kind of cool but like i don't know i feel kind of bad for this person it's like her whole gig just like giving this like same ghost tour like three times a day and then i like did the math we all paid like 30 bucks to be on this tour and there were like almost 100 of us in this group and she does three of those a day and i think she probably just keeps all that money so when, you know, some of the other folks from like Western New York or Josh, maybe when you win the lottery or get your your, your uh, fantasy sports money, you can move out there and keep adding adding funds to the bank by giving giving ghost tours uh, for like 30 bucks
2: a pop. Well, yeah, maybe that's the trajectory for all old hardcore dudes now as we all do walking tours.
0: So were you any any uh, any uh, bands before Time Ice, or is this your first band there?
2: Uh, so before time, like, well, OK, let me see where I start. Um, I ended up filling in on vocals for, um, this band called Rally the Fray, uh, their singer, he moved to like Alaska or some shit to like go hang out with bears. Um, so I filled in for him and then the band broke up and then there was another band whose singer was in the military and he got transferred. Um, They were called Tides. I filled in for them for a little bit. And then the two other bands that I've done that actually like recorded anything were Crooked Ways and Implied Risk. Uh, Crooked Ways had like two two EPs uh, that we released on vinyl and then Implied Risk just had just did a demo uh, before that project broke up
0: um and then this is kind of off topic but i don't want to forget about this before we start talking about time heist i know you mentioned knowing people from upstate and i don't know if you realize that that we're like a rochester based podcast mm-hmm. um and, and i noticed that you happened to post on what would have been his birthday a mutual friend of ours uh patrick doyle uh this yeah. year how did you yeah. how I, i'm just curious like how did you know patrick like I, I have a funny feeling i know how you would have met him but i'm just i just want to i guess i just hey, want to hear it from you
2: what's your guess?
0: I'm guessing when he was on tour with a band or something, he probably came through and you, you probably just met him or?
2: Yeah. I'm. I, we're both part of the same uh, fraternal organization.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That That's that's not my guess, but that makes sense too. Um yeah. But yeah, no, I knew him for a long time, obviously, because Rochester, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I, I just, when he, when he passed is when I started to realize like how many people like around the country and, and actually, actually the world, like actually know him, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. It's just pretty cool that somebody, I mean, you know, it sucks that he passed, but it was just cool to see that, like, he was someone that's going to be remembered, obviously, you know? Oh, yeah. 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 He
2: was, he was very well loved by, by a lot of us. And that was his, his passing was really rough on like a lot of people that I know. Um, yeah. It sucked. He was a great fucking dude. Yeah.
0: We don't talk. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Greg.
1: His, his wife ran like, his partner ran like a really awesome vegan restaurant that was like the best vegan restaurant we had in town and like our local dish that we're known for is called the garbage plate they did like the best mm-hmm. version of the garbage plate that was like for vegans um, but unfortunately that restaurant i don't think survived kind of the dual dual tragedies of uh of, of patrick passing away and then, and then the hardships caused by the pandemic on like the restaurant industry so mm-hmm.
0: yeah no it was crazy though, you know, when he passed, they just, people came and I was just like, like, again, just shocked to see people from all over there, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I, I had known him before and like of all the people I've known, I can only think of a few people that aren't from New York that love New York hardcore as much as he did. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. it made sense. It made sense that all those dudes were there, but I was just like, man, it's so mm-hmm. crazy, that, you know? So obviously shout out to Doyle. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. So let's get into time heist, I guess. Um, Is this something that, that I know you guys just released the first release last year. Is this something that you guys started working on in 2022 or had you kind of had the seeds planted before that or.
2: So, so kind of what happened was, um, implied risk started in, uh, implied risk started like pre-pandemic. And then in the middle of the pandemic, we brought on the second guitar player, this dude named Robert Cheeseman um and he was in uh spirits and uh the band from boston and he was in day trader for a little bit and um who else did he play with i think those were like the two main projects that he did but he had recently moved to denver um and steve the dude that was playing bass for us met him got him to come jam with us he ended up joining implied risk and kind of through us like hanging out at practice me and him realized that like we <clears throat> musically we had a lot more in common than like some of the other dudes in the band. Um, especially with like uh you know, being like really stoked on like early indecision record stuff, uh the youth crew, the first step, um, mindset, like that kind of shit. And when implied risk was like kind of starting to fizzle out, we were like, yo, we should start a straight edge band and so we were kind of like okay cool like how do we want to do this and we basically like sat down and like mapped out like everything that we wanted to do with the band like all right we're going to do a demo and it's going to come out you know after we play this many shows and then we're going to wait this amount of time and then we're going to you know record this and um basically just kind of like made a made a whole plan like right off the bat so we weren't one of the things like that didn't work in implied risk was it was like we okay, did everything by committee and didn't really have a plan for anything. And we're like, well, all right, we're we're old, we have stuff going on, we need to be like as calculated about this as possible. So we made the plan, and we're all right. We got to find people. So we kind of put together like a couple different lineups, Um, and actually, like I think we played like seven or eight shows now. And only two show two of those shows we've played with the same lineup. So it's been a lot of, like, people shuffling around um, and trying to find, like, you know, who fits or who's going to be able to commit to it or whatever. Um, one of the things that makes the band, like, really easy and makes some of those other parts interchangeable is that Robert writes almost everything. Um, and we'll, like, demo it all out. And then I write lyrics for it. And then everybody else just learns it so if we have to have somebody fill in we've got everything already recorded we just you know send it to them they learn everything and then we play the show um and so like there's no like they're not really a collaborative writing process um which makes makes things go a lot faster i think
0: now with the shuffling of lineups and such it makes me wonder are there a lot of uh, local Edgemen there or do you guys like have to have a list on deck just in case you need to fill people in or like, how does that work? You know, we,
2: yeah, we, we called it the bench and we were basically like, okay, like who's, you know, who are we calling up for this show? Or, you know, who's, who's going to, who's going to be in the starting lineup tonight. And there, there are, there are a good, like handful of straight edge people, but like is one of those places where there's a lot of bands, but like, people are in like five of them at a time, like especially drummers. So it what the the difficulty was not in finding people that wanted to do the project but people that could commit to the project. And we ended up kind of going outside the box of like people that are like immediately involved in the scene and like reaching out to some like older people or some people that like aren't as exactly plugged in to the local scene but like really talented um so the dude that we brought in to play second guitar was in this band called come forth by day which would have been around like the time that you came out here around like 2006 2008 um and he just like hadn't really been doing anything he came out to one of our shows and was like yo can i be in your band like this rips like i want to you guys looking for a second guitar player like i want to be in the band and like i knew he was great at guitar. Um, and I also knew that he like had kids and stuff. So I was like, do you know, do you have time? Like, you know, what's your situation like? And he was like, yeah, I I could totally do this. And he's been like almost more available than anybody else in the band and nobody else in the band has kids or like a career. Like this dude has a doctorate and he's just like, yeah, I'll go wherever, play wherever, practice whenever. Sure. Let's do it.
0: Well, mine and Greg's kids are a certain age, like I think our kids are pretty close in age, and I know you get to a certain point as a parent, and I'm pretty sure Greg's there now, I'm not quite there yet, where mm. your kids get to a certain age and you you do have that time where you're like, yeah, it's time to to find this extra activity to kind of, whether it's a release or, like, I like to go for a walk for like 45 minutes every so often, you know what I mean? Like, you just need that, you know what I mean, Greg?
1: Yeah, yeah, No. <laughs> Having kids is like hard because you're sleep deprived constantly, especially when your kids are like younger than, I don't know, they're like, my kids are three and six. Um, but the good thing about it is that probably he's going for this guy with his PhD. He's probably also smarter than me, which which uh, helps him a lot. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but like you, you get really good at prioritizing and being like, no, I don't need to do this bullshit anymore. And like being in bands is like essential to my men- mental health and connection to a community. So I'm going to like make mm-hmm. it happen. Even if, you know, I'm, I'm like sleep deprived and down to my last nickel or something.
0: And that's kind of where I'm at with doing two podcasts now, not to shamelessly plug the other ones, spreading the <laughs> hardcore reality, but there we go. And I just want to back it up just for a second, Mark, because when I interviewed uh, uh, Devin from Rejection Pact like Mm -hmm. eight or nine months ago, he mentioned a lot of the same bands that you did as like influences for starting a band. And Mm -hmm. I kind of wonder if you had a similar mentality when you guys were kind of writing music, like his, his thing was there aren't a lot of bands at all like doing this right now. So let's kind of go for something like this. Cause like right now there's like probably 74 different genres of hardcore right now, but like, I could probably name on one or two hands. the amount of bands that are well-known that are doing what you guys in rejection pack are doing you know what i mean
2: yeah yeah and i mean that was like we did it intentionally because it's the kind of hardcore that we both love but it wasn't intentional because no one else is doing it it just happened to be the kind of hardcore that no one else was doing um and we honestly like thought we thought it was going to be a lot harder for us to kind of like get out there and get people to pay attention to it than it has been. So like the, the response that we've gotten, like to me is still like mind blowing. Like that, like there, there are people that like genuinely care about this band. And maybe that's because I was in like really shitty bands before that uh, people were just kind of like, Oh, you're doing a new band. Oh yeah. It's, it's okay. Yeah um but this one people seem to genuinely like so it's I think it was just kind of like a right place right time kind of thing um but yeah there really aren't a lot of bands that are like doing what we're doing um at least like on a higher level but I, I think like part of that is there's not really like a label anymore or labels that cater to that style like bridge nine was doing bands that sound like this react was doing bands that sound like this rivalry was doing bands that sound like this when young blood was more active it was doing bands that sound like this but now they're just like aren't really the labels pushing this kind of hardcore um it's you know more like the crossovery like metal riffs and that kind of stuff or like the stuff that convulse does which is like a lot more like Screamy and chaotic and and kind of you know um lo-fi uh so yeah i think that in order for like bands like ours to really start like getting pushed by people there's gonna have to be at some point a label that's gonna have to realize like yo like people still want to hear this stuff like maybe i should start putting it out
0: yeah and i'm at that point where i've been i've been i've been checking out a lot of different bands obviously and I'm not as into the metal stuff and like a lot of these labels now seem to be pushing more of like, you know, the cheesy name, uh, beat down or ass beater shit or whatever, which that's cool. If that's, if that's what you're doing, but I just, that, that, like, I like a few of those bands, you know what I mean? But for me, it's like, I I prefer like, like traditional hardcore, like New York style, hardcore, you know what I mean? Like you mentioned convulsed records. They got a lot of good bands on there, Mm -hmm. but it seems just like there's, like I said before, there's so many different genres of hardcore, but sometimes it just gets to be a little like you're losing like where where it all started, you know what I mean? Like with all the different sounds and and paths that we're going down, you know.
2: Yeah. Well, and I I always attribute like because I have this conversation a lot with people about like why younger kids don't really like pay attention to older bands or why like younger kids don't really know older bands. And I think back to when I got into hardcore, there really wasn't that much to choose from uh, that was that was happening currently. Um, So it was really easy and almost, like, necessary to go back to, like, the early New York bands to, like, seek out people, because this is kind of, like, pre-internet, seek out people that lived in Albuquerque that were from New York that, like, knew about bands that could make me mixtapes or, like, tell me what, you know, CDs to order or whatever. Um, But now there's just so much coming out all the time and there's so many bands to choose from that you don't have to go back to find something to listen to. Like every day there's something new coming at you. And I think that that's that's a big part of the reason like younger kids don't you know, like look back to the older stuff and draw a lot of influence from them is because like it's it's ancient history to them, where to us it was like more, it was more current and it was like there wasn't that much of it to go around. So you kind of had to go back, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think about I think about my own interest in hardcore and you know, I get the sense we're all about the same age. But like some of the like bands that I think of now as like classic you know, the classic revelation records line up. like some of those bands had hadn't even been broken up for like five years when I got into hardcore. And now, Mm -hmm. you know, there's like a 15 year history to hardcore when when you get started in like the mid to late nineties. And, and, you know, now we practically have like, like a 40 year history that, that people have to, you know, get up to speed on, but I hear what you're saying. And, and, and I, you know, like, I love that there's like hardcore is having a moment and people are like really into hate five, six and people are doing bands and it's just like more viable than ever for a hardcore band to go on tour. Um, you know, it's all great stuff, but like, it does concern me a little bit that there's like not a lot of younger bands that are influenced by like the classic Rev lineup or like bands like Youth of Today, or you can go back even farther and, you know, talk about bands like Minor Thread or something. Um, but I'd like to think that that's coming around eventually, like eventually the stuff that's hot now will get stale and people will kind of look back to the past and and hopefully draw influence from some of those bands. Um, like I could really go for more bands that sound like chain of strength right now.
0: (laughs) I'm not shitting on anybody. I know we talk about this a lot on this podcast. It's obviously been a hot, hot button topic lately, but I do want to put this out there because it's become very clear to me lately that most of the younger bands that have been starting are all kids that got into hardcore through turnstile, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. But like, I can clearly see that like, you know, that's how you, that was your introduction to hardcore and that's fine. You know what I mean? But like, it's like, what we're talking about right now. Like there's a whole, it's, it's, it's even like, like I love rap music too. And it's very similar. Like you can't just get into like what's current and like one like set of artists Like, you got to go back and look at all the roots, all the classic New York shit. You know what I mean? Like, and, We're in this era, like yeah, you can go on Spotify and 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 listen to all this shit and and find what you like, but it's it's like we're saying, like you have to you have to know what the roots of all the stuff is. But I also do want to point out that one thing I was talking about when I was when I was making the other podcast today is that having so many like different channels of music available to us right now, like you're also able to listen to a lot of really good music right now too. You know, even if these kids did get into hardcore through Turnstile, some of them are writing some really good riffs. You know what I mean? And um. Like I've found so many obscure, like random bands in the last like like nine months, and I'm just like, I, I if it wasn't for digital like means, I probably would not have heard of. I, if, like Maximum Rock and Roll would have talked about these bands, you know, twenty years ago, and you would have ordered the seven inch and maybe heard about heard their music finally like a couple months later, you know what I mean? But now it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we can just discover these bands immediately, you know what I mean? Like I think I found you guys randomly, like just going through Bandcamp, and that's how you and I probably started mm-hmm. corresponding, you know what I mean? It's like I just go through Bandcamp like once or twice per week. And just check out all the new stuff on there. So I think there's, I think there's, 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 there's good and bad to be taken from what's going on right now. I My, my main thing with, with like hardcore, obviously being like super popular right now, I think we can all agree it's more popular now than it ever has been. I think the thing that has to be like, like talked about is that I just, we can't lose what hardcore really is and what it should be. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want it just to turn into this like novelty thing where, uh, I, I was sitting outside doing some non straight edge activities. And I think to myself, like, has, is hardcore starting to jump the shark or like, did that already happen? You know what I mean? Like, and that's kind of a, like a thing you have to think about it sometimes too, I guess too, you know? So.
2: Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a turnstile apologist. Like I, I love like everything. <laughs> I like them. Like yeah. 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 Um, and like for me, I'm like, I'm like, I just want them to get weirder and weirder and weirder just like I wanted blacklisted to get weirder and weirder. Like I wanted like rain sticks and fucking like, all like whatever weird shit that they were going to throw at me. I was ready for it. Um, but I see what you're saying. But like, I think that there's, I think there's two kinds of hardcore kids. There's hardcore kids that love music and there's hardcore kids that love being hardcore kids. And the ones that love music are the ones that t- tend to stick around the longest. And the ones that are like, Oh, I like, you know, jumping around and like beating on people. And, you know, like, I like wearing, you know, air maxes and camo shorts or, you know, I know the kids don't wear that anymore, but like, you know, they, they want to wear the outfit. They want to live the lifestyle, but they don't, they don't really want to be like a part of it. Um, but I still think that there are kids out there that really want to be a part of it. And I think that as the wave starts to descend and level out, I think we'll have like a new crop of like really invested kids that'll come out of it. They're going to they're do some really cool shit. Um, but the wave is obviously much bigger, so it's going to take a long uh, more time for it to like come back down so i think we just got to kind of you know those of us who are true believers um you know have to have to just ride it out a little bit longer and see where it
0: ends up i mean i i want to say too and i always say this whenever this conversation comes up like i'm for hardcore getting more popular obviously you know what i mean i just don't want it to lose like the message that it was it was built upon or, or whatever you want to call it, whatever cheesy message thing you want to say there but and then mm-hmm. the other thing i want to say too is i agree with you on the blacklisted thing but, but like when they were doing like the nirvana seven inch or whatever like they weren't like a huge band you know what i mean like not like Turnstile is now you know it's yeah like, yeah you can see like people like i'm not i'm not gonna name any bands i'm not trying to shit any people but i've, I've like there's been interviews of people who've like talked about going to like bigger shows and like seeing the show and being like i want to be in this i want to be in a band now and i want to do this now and it, it makes me wonder like if if it's for what you and I were just you were just saying, like, are you into the music or the scene? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. which part of it are you into this for? And if if you're into it for both, that's cool. Or if you only only into it for one, that's cool too. Because, again, like things like that are helping. Like if if a if a band like Turnstile, who I, well, again I agree with you, like I like them and I like the the direction they're taking and shit like that. If they mm-hmm. if they're bigger and they bring more people to hardcore, obviously they're gonna like more kids might hear about Time Heist, more kids might hear about this podcast maybe more kids will come to the shows that I'm going to try, try and start booking. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm for all the positive aspects. I just don't want it to be like a novelty thing. And, and what I have realized, and I think people that are older than us can probably just shit on us and be like, yeah, you guys were around like, for, like the rancid green day era and like a lot of you guys got into it through that. And like, I think that's kind of like what turnstile is now, basically, you know what I mean? Like yeah. this generation's like rancid or green day, which is what got me into punk and hardcore. Like I probably would have found mm-hmm. it eventually because the local scene was like right around the corner from my house basically. But like, when, when that rancid album though the 95 one first started popping off all the singles and shit like we were going crazy for that shit you know so i get that you know there's there's got to be a, a gateway for this shit somewhere you know you're not just gonna yeah. like wake up one day and be like oh i love fucking all this new york shit and you know what i mean like you have to find <laughs> it somewhere so yeah
1: it's it's all valid because i'm like friends with more than one person who got into hardcore because of the soundtrack to like tony hawk pro skater so like you get into it from like weird ass ways. In fact, I've even met people who got into hardcore because they like they like never listened to any extreme music, and then that like uh, Cartoon Network show Metalocalypse like came out, and they like got all into metal, and then they got into you know something better.
2: I I got into hardcore through Scott. Like no joke. I uh, there was a tour in like '96, I think that was Murphy's Law. um and H2O, and or no, it was, it was Mighty Mighty Boss Tones and H2O. And that came to Albuquerque. And I was like really into the Boss Tones because a buddy of mine and I used to shoplift CDs. And we, we had this like crazy system for it, but we were just kind of like grab whatever looked cool. Like we didn't know what it was. We were like, oh, that record looks cool. That record looks cool, whatever. And I stole uh, Mighty Mighty Boston's Don't Know How to Party. And I listened to it. I was like, I've never heard anything like this in my life. Like, what is this? And I went to go see him and H2O played. And I was like, oh, what is this? And like through liner notes and thank you lists and all that stuff, like started like, oh, okay. Like I should check out this band. I should check out Madball. I should check out like... You know, whatever like New York bands, like H2O shouted out in the liner notes. And like that was what like kind of started me on that journey was like through that weird little gateway. Um, and like the first time I ever saw Rancid was on Beavis and Butthead <laughs> when they would do like the little like video clips. And I think it was like for um like whatever the video for like nihilism or something like that. And I was like, what are these guys? Cause we didn't like Albuquerque didn't have like a big punk scene, so there wasn't like dudes walking up and down the street looking like that. And I was like, what is this? And like, after that would like make my dad, like drive me to Ross so I could find like plaid pants. Uh It's <laughs> so like, and like just fucking tried to do the Mohawk and stuff. But I don't know, like, yeah, everybody's got their like weird little way of, of getting into stuff, it's, but it's, you know.
1: It's so great you mentioned Beavis and Butthead because I think I've told this story in like every other episode we've recorded. But like, I got into like Boston screen day, Blink 182. You know, that was like kind of like my first foray into like punk music. Um, but then like the first legit hardcore band I like went out and bought the CD for was sick of it all. And it was because they made fun of the step down video on US oh, and Butthead. Yeah. And I was like, this is it. This is like so raw. This is like for me. And it's basically been that ever since.
0: Yo, Mark, I don't know if you've gone back and listened to the boss tones recently. I mean, I know Dickie's into some weird shit now and whatnot, <laughs> and that's everybody everybody has their own beliefs and everything, but the Bostones are like they it this shit holds up uh for one. It does. Yeah. And for two, for two, like I was already kind of getting into like punk and hardcore. Like I'm one of those people who's just kind of like exploring all the different genres in my early teens and stuff. But I went to see the Boston's play here like two or three times. And I wore a suit one time and everything. You know what I mean? I think I might have even had X's on my hands of that show too. Like I'm obviously not straight edge now. Uh shout out to all the straight edge people, especially uh the straight edge band we're, we're talking about right now. Um but that I I'm pretty sure that Murphy's Law Tour did come here. I don't think H 20 played. I wasn't at that show, but I definitely mm-hmm. saw the Boston's, I think like Voodoo Glow Skulls played once, but they were definitely one of those bands, like I agree, that would would like because they did a, a minor was it a minor threat cover, I think they did on, on one of those records. Uh Tell think they did a snapshot cover. I think they covered think again by minor threat too, though, on that on one of those EPs. I could be wrong. Oh yeah. Uh, but, um but uh I I got yeah, them no. all back
2: here somewhere we can check <laughs> if you want.
0: And they and but you knew that they were just down with shit, and like Dicky was like just one of those cool dudes who would be hanging out behind the the door at a show, like I, like how Greg's told that Beavis and Butt Head story. I'm sure i probably mentioned before that uh, my friend, shout out to my friend Max Lapine, him and I went to all those Boston shows back in the day, and I'm I i do not know why we were, we we thought we would just meet him out back by the door, and there he was. So we went up to him and introduce ourselves, and I'm like trying to sound cool. So I had a fanzine at the time called No Effect Sucks, and I started telling him about that. And he's like, Oh yeah, why you know they're a good band? Why would you you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, they suck, like trying to sound cool, you know. And he, he looks at me like I'm a fucking poser, you know, but still <laughs> gave me the free shirt and everything. And ever since then, I'm like, man, I probably this guy was probably like, fuck this kid, you know what I mean? Like, and it's yeah, it like, goes no. back to the, you know.
2: I actually know exactly what you mean because that's also how I met Dickie for the first time. Was we waited outside, me and a bunch of my friends at a zine called No Apologies, and we went to the it was uh Bostones were on tour with offspring it was boston's offspring and living end and we waited outside where the tour buses were and there were like a couple guys that walked by and we were like yo yo are you guys in the boston's and they were like no we're in the living end and we were like oh well can you go get the boston's for us <laughs> And they like walked away all like sulking and we were like oh they're never coming back and then all of a sudden like Dickie and Joe and a bunch of those dudes like came off the bus to come talk to us and they told like the security guy like yo let these guys in let these guys in and they let us back they brought us beers I'm not gonna say how old we were at the time but um they brought us beers and hung out with us and like Dickie just like picked it with us and busted our balls and like was like the coolest dude ever like he, um, I remember my, we had like those jackets with like all the Scott patches on them, and uh, one of my buddies like had his like girlfriend's initials like stitched on his jacket. And Dicky was making fun of him. I think I was wearing cargo shorts. Dicky was like making fun of my cargo shorts and stuff. But they were just like the nicest dudes, and they were like just like yeah, come back, come hang out. Like it was like no big deal.
0: The the last gatekeeper thing I'll say before we turn this back into a time heist interview. Um it was like my first job too i was like 17 and this is going going back to the turnstile rancid green day thing like boston's were our band you know what i mean they're a popular Mm -hmm. band but they were like a a club band you know and then all of a sudden that impression that i get or whatever song hits and it's all on the radio i'm working my first fast food job or whatever and all these like jock kids that i worked with are singing along to it and shit and you're like man fuck you know and you'd always get so bummed out whenever like anything that was like yours turned into theirs or whatever you know what mm-hmm. i mean and like i don't know how that is now for like the the generation if it's if if because i don't know how people are with music and stuff now but i feel like it was like that then you know what i mean where you know it was our special our special little thing or whatever you know um but yeah, let's 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 take this back to uh to the Straight Edge band from uh Denver that we originally were trying to talk about Time Heist. Um <laughs> Sorry. So I think we No, I mean, I love going on 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 tangents, especially when we talk about shit from the 90s cuz that's what we originally were doing on this podcast, we're just talking about like 90s shit interviewing people from the 90s. Um But I know we talked about like, the formation and shit and so let's kind of get more into like is The Odds Against Tomorrow that's what came ended up coming out on Crime Wave, right?
2: Yeah, so we we like self-released that through Bandcamp. And then we did some cassette copies and then we got hit up by um, Conviction Records out of the UK and they did some tape copies for us and then um, got linked up with the dude from Crime Wave, Rob, and then talked him into doing the vinyl for it. Um, And so that's that's kind of how that came about.
0: Yeah, that label Crime Wave, I'm going to come up to it. That's like a new label, too, right?
2: Yeah, it's pretty new. Uh, So, like, Rob was – do you remember that band Signs of Hope from Connecticut?
0: I don't think so. I think – go ahead.
2: They were, like, a very mid-tier, like, youth crew band from, like, the mid-2000s. Like, and I just – I say say mid-tier because, like, they just, like – they weren't – they were never big. But they, like, were always going out and doing stuff, and they were, like, constantly on tour
0: yeah there was a couple years there where I wasn't checking as many new bands out and that was definitely that would definitely gel with that era so that that makes more sense but he's got yeah I mean he's got what Prin- princess you guys street power uh, yeah I missing, hard, is
2: there more hard target um I think he was he, he was spending a lot of time like trying to like link up with new bands and trying to like kind of build up his roster um but we like he was, he was really good for us for like what he did for like the first EP and like getting our feet and like, you know, planted in, you know, releasing something. Um, But again, like we were talking about, like there's not really like a label that's like specifically pushing like the kind of music that we play. So in a lot of the bands that he was starting to sign were kind of harder and like more aggressive. So we kind of like, decided like yeah we'll do this one with you and then we're going to kind of try to like move on to do something else um so that that's kind of like the phase that we're in now is like kind of trying to figure out where we fit with another label that we can kind of start working with and like getting more stuff out there to like a larger number of people
0: and uh i guess before we kind of talk about that what you're able to talk about like but the, the the music you guys got coming up uh... I know you were talking about you guys have played a handful of shows. Uh any of those uh like noteworthy shows, like noteworthy bands or anything or
2: yeah. Um the first show that we played was with Combust, uh when they when they came through Denver. And then uh we played with Madball when they came through Denver. Um pretty shortly after that. I think that was in like December. The first show we played was in October of 2022. We played Mad Bowl in December, and then um, we just played with Initiate, that band from California, and then uh, we're playing with Gorilla Biscuits and H2O in July.
0: That Initiate record is really good, and that H2O thing, that's really funny that you mentioned going back to the Boston's thing, because that's like a full circle type of thing, obviously, mm-hmm. to, to go from, I mean, fucking Gorilla Biscuits too, dude, like that's, I, I I that that's like one of my favorite bands and I know Greg can agree like seeing them live is like a religious experience you know what I mean like and I'm not I'm not really religious like no 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 beefs or qualms anybody it is you know but like when I saw them at that show in Denver in 2006 like I was sober that night too and I was just like man I feel like like it's like some euphoric shit right now you know what I mean like so to be able to, play, yeah. to share the stage with them that night that's that's fucking incredible you know yeah
2: yeah that was that was a great show yeah we're we're super stoked um, to play with them and just kind of to have like a lot of the bills that we play, we're playing with a lot of bands that don't sound like us. So it's like an kind of an uphill push to like get these kids who are like really into like heavier stuff to kind of pay attention to us. And I think that that'll be really like the first time that we played for a crowd with other bands that like really fit with our sound Um, so it's gonna be interesting to kind of see like the kind of reaction that we get from the old school Gorilla Biscuits crowd and the H2O crowd, um, you know, versus like the, the kids that are more into like, like newer, faster, like heavier, hardcore bands.
0: What's cool about Gorilla Biscuits too, it's like you were saying with the Mohawk shit earlier, like every time I've seen them play, like even at the show in Denver, when I saw them in New York the last time, like you'll see like the 14 or 15 year old kids there with the Mohawks and the Liberty spikes. So it's cool to be able to get your music out there for all these different crowds. And that, that makes me think too, aren't you guys playing like more of like a punk type thing in like California, like almost like a fest type thing, or did that already happen or.
2: No, we, up we haven't played that. So that's got like a bunch of different bands. So it's uh union 13. Uh, the fest is called Hoodcore. It's in LA. It's going to be August 12th. Uh, the pre-shows on the 11th and the, the big day is the 12th. Um Union 13's playing Powerhouse, uh Hoods got added, Us, um, End Days. Uh, I don't I can't remember how to say their it. name. It's like Sarum or something like that. They're like they're on New Age. Uh, the great, great band. Um, and then like a couple other like local LA bands are on that too.
0: Yeah, New Age is another one of those labels too that's just kind of had their own lane and and like for a while you could kind of tag what their sound was going to be like, but now like they just have so many different bands that are they're all mm-hmm. kind of unique. You know, it's cool to have a label still doing shit like that. You know, um, what what do you guys got coming up with with musically that you can talk about with this coming out uh, like at the end of June? I think we were talking about.
2: Yeah, so uh, pre-orders for a split that we're doing with a band from the UK called Without Love. Uh, dropped on June 19th, and we released a new song that's going to be on that split called Keep On Fighting. And that officially releases July 7th. Um, and that's like, we're this one, we're super stoked about. It's been like a real long process with uh, working without love and with the, all the labels that are involved to kind of like, because splits are tough, right? Because like sometimes they come out and people are just kind of like, eh, not really into that. And then there's some splits that are kind of like more iconic. And we were like really hoping to like make something that was like really special. Like um, it's going to be a three, three songs from each band to two originals from us and a cover. We did um, my better half by um, one last wish. And they did um, two originals and an inside out cover for their side.
0: I would definitely be able to, tell them that I know that's an inside out song. For anybody listening, I had to ask Mark what the cover was on the <laughs> Time Heist side. Um I know we played a Time Ice song a few episodes back. So we'll talk to you after the episode if we were able to to get a track. So we usually try to play uh some music for the bands and whatnot. Um mm-hmm. so so with doing a a split with a European band and you know if it's something you guys haven't thought about or can't mention, I understand, but any any you know thoughts of playing some shows across the uh you know? Oh, abs- absolutely. I mean like when
2: <laughs> like I said when um when Robert and I like had to sit down to like plan out the band, that was like the first thing we we were like okay, we got to go to Europe. We got to go to Asia. We got to go like we got to go to all these places that like are not wealthy asses like aren't going to be able to just like go to for 3 weeks, like hardcore is like the our only ticket to like get get to go to these places, so we got to make it happen um and through spirits like spirits i think i can't remember what they i think robert said they played like 120 shows and 90 of them were in europe and they were like a strange band from boston um so our our plan kind of is take the fall write a full length get the full length out and then just fly wherever we can um like especially Europe and the UK.
0: Um, for the unnamed people that I've been talking about starting a band with that may or may not be listening to this podcast right now, all of the things that Mark just laid out are the exact uh things that I would plan to do if I were in a band. So if the people that aren't being named right now are, are listening to this, uh just know <laughs> that that's something that's a stipulation to being in a band. Um but we'll
1: steal Mark's homework and copy it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Come
2: come with us.
0: Funny. It's funny because everything you're talking about throughout this interview, like I've had these like fantasy bands in my head for the last few years. Like I wasn't in the right mental state to ask people about doing a band a few years ago, but I've always like thought in my head, like, this is how you would do it. That's how you would do it. And everything you're saying tonight is pretty much exactly how I've thought you should do it. And, and we, we interviewed um, Anthony from magnitude and 80 million other bands, a few episodes mm-hmm. back and some, a few other bands have been going to Australia and shit too. Like, it seems like, Every two weeks, right now, you see a band that's doing the it's like a little circuit. I feel like it's Australia, Japan, and Southeast Asia, like all these bands keep doing it too. I've seen literally like at least five or ten tours this year alone go to that area, you know? So, yeah. Um, and I I know Greg's, no, go ahead.
2: Oh, uh, one of the labels that also released the EP for us, um, called Set the Fire, they have they're kind of like based in like Indonesia, Japan, and Australia. And they're one of the labels that's like, I think kind of helping facilitate like some of those, the, those tours that are happening. Um, and that's one of the reasons like we were so stoked to work with them is because like, we're like, first of all, like they're doing really cool stuff and putting out really good bands. Um, but second of all, like we want to have that connection so we can hopefully go play out there. Cause I've seen videos of those shows and they look insane. Um, just like kids just having the time of their lives. And I'm like, yes, I want to do that. Like, that's, that's exactly where I want to be. Um, but uh, like, w- like a lot of people that I had talked to um, like over the years that had toured were always like, Oh yeah, Europe's cool. Like Europe's, you know, they t- they do this, they do that. They do this differently than the United States And then I got an opportunity to go over there to do merch for street dogs in 2018 and found out that like everything these people have told me is hundred percent true. Like, it's just so much easier to be in a touring band over there. Um, The like the way that promoters like think about hospitality and like taking care of the bands is a lot different. Um, And you just, you get to be in another country. And around like cool stuff that you've never seen and cool people you've never met people who are really stoked to see you um so like that experience really drove my motivation for like stepping it up and like kind of starting my own thing that would be able to go and do that
0: yeah I don't know what it's like now uh because hardcore is so much bigger now than it was a few years ago but it seems like especially up to and including the area you're talking about that like bands would make a living like with the international touring specifically Europe, obviously. But I mean, I, I don't think the Southeast Asian, Australia, like circuit would hurt either, you know, but I know yeah. like all those, all those festivals and it seems like everything in Europe is big clubs. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, that's just crazy. And I've, I've, I've said on here a few times that I've always been envious of people that have been able to do shit like that. And like we were, Greg and I were talking about in the beginning of the podcast about kids being a certain age like my son's graduating preschool next year next tomorrow so mm-hmm. a couple more years or my kids will be just the right age to where i'm going to be like you know let's try and get this shit going on here you know because not not that old yet um so any any other plans like are you guys gonna do like any full-scale touring in the u.s or are you just gonna do like little like weekend runs and shit like that like whatever you get it like offered i guess type thing or
2: yeah i think weekend runs are probably gonna be the the way that we're gonna go about it at least for now. Um we're doing with that fest in LA, we're doing uh total five shows in California. Um we're playing Gilman in Berkeley with uh powerhouse and this band called OmniGon, which going back to ska is a straight edge ska band with members of Link 80, if you oh, remember that band. Yeah. Um, which is also one of the first bands that I ever booked in New Mexico. So that's like another cool like full circle um kind of thing. And then we're playing uh Tehachapi and Fresno. Uh we're playing with that band Burn Unit in Fresno that um I think that dude Mayo did a uh, did some art for um and their demos getting a bunch of hype and then ill Communications helping us out in Tehachapi and then we're playing that show in LA and then we're playing um uh shake Cafe in San Diego um with some cool locals down there and um Bill Communications also playing that show, too.
0: That's a, that's a good band. They put a good record out recently. Um, you gave me a good segue to shamelessly uh promote uh spreading the hardcore reality. Uh, it'll have been a couple weeks since it aired now, but I just put a new episode today and I actually played a burn unit song uh from that that oh, nice. song demo that they just dropped. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Shit. Um, so that's cool. You guys are playing that. So, what are you guys just driving to California and back or, or flying out there? Flying, yeah, dope, yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah.
2: southwest. Yeah two free check bags uh our i I caught a sale that southwest was doing and our flights home from san diego to denver were only 73 bucks a person
0: oh shit not to get too into the nerdy shit but wasn't denver and phoenix like two of the cheaper places to fly out of back in the day too or am i am i mixing denver up with with another city
2: i mean like denver's got like one of the biggest and busiest airports in the world now um so it's like a hub for a lot of airlines which makes it a little bit cheaper to fly out of and they do a lot of like so when when we go to europe we can fly directly from denver to like pretty much any european city that has a major airport that's
0: sick
1: yeah that airport is like the secret headquarters of the illuminati or some shit if you believe the conspiracy theories
2: it's not a secret anymore they're doing all kinds of construction and they have these like giant signs up that say like sorry for the mess it's hard to work around the reptiles and there's like a picture of like a reptilian um and the, there's like another one that says like is it the illuminati or is it construction dust like just you like they're totally leaning into like all the conspiracy th- theories about it
0: i don't know what podcast i heard that i was whole, listened to a whole episode on a podcast about that recently it might have been chris jericho the wrestling dude because he interviews like a lot of random people and shit and there was mm-hmm. like somebody who'd written a book or but I, I, it's so weird that you would bring that up, Greg, because I definitely, like, within the last two months, like, listened to a full episode of a podcast about that. And having flown in and out of that airport a couple times, like, I'm sure you have, too, Greg. And, Mark, I'm sure you've used it several times. I never knew any of that until hearing it recently. And I was like, I'm I'm glad you're, you're, you're killing the rumors for us now, Mark, because I was hearing about, like, <laughs> underground cities and, like, how far down does this shit go and all this crazy I mean, shit, you know? I'm
2: not saying that none of that isn't true. I'm just saying that, like they're 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 making light of it but it might also be you know like a ruse to make you think that it's a joke but it's actually real
0: you're not too far from arizona too isn't that where the other or was that new mexico where the the aliens shit happened
2: oh roswell yeah
0: yeah yeah i don't don't fuck with any of that shit so i always get those areas mixed up my girlfriend (laughs) upstairs would be shaking her head right now that i don't know because she's she's always like I want them to come and take us away type thing or whatever. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? Like I had to watch the X-Files from start to finish. And I was like, I like it. You know what I mean? But it's just, that's just, just never really been, you know, it is what it is, but not trying to tangent us off on the side again here. <laughs> yeah. um, have we talked about like what's going on in Denver very much? I feel like we haven't like, are there a lot of other good bands no. there right now?
2: Oh my God. Um, And I actually, I, this is like the, this is the best, time denver hardcore has ever had like hands down at least since i've lived here like i don't i don't really know a whole lot about what it was like in 2000 before 2004 um but it's insane like the quality of bands that we have right now um and a lot of those bands are starting to like get out and go on tour uh like destiny bond uh public opinion uh moral law just did an east coast tour um they're on new age um, they're from Denver and then, uh, mouth for war. It's from the Springs. Um, they're popping off. They're like, they're on tour with Zayo right now. Um, and then there's, uh, uh, who else, uh, thumb they're breaking up, but they, they went to Europe. They're going for the second time this summer before they play their last show. Um, they had a record on that label safe inside a couple or a couple of records, um, and then everything that like convulse is doing, like all the younger bands that he's working with um, it's insane. Like shows are better than they've ever been. Bands are doing more than they've ever done. There's more kids coming out than ever. Um, it's, it's, it's insane. It's awesome. It's like the best time to be in Denver.
0: And I don't want to go back to the rejection pact interview again, but I, I never said Boise the right way I, I, or Boise. I never said it the right way. I always said Boise. Like I said it the first time. I, I, can you say their name again? I always thought it was fame. How do you pronounce that? It's
2: Fum. It's French for hunger. I never like knew that. Fee, fee five, Fo Fum.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. I just never looked at it. Like, you know, that makes perfect sense. I just never, I never realized. And that's crazy. That I know all I've, all those bands you listed. I'm like, I know who all those bands are, but I never associated them all with Denver. That's mm-hmm. crazy. that There's so many, so many bands popping off there. And another thing I've been thinking about recently that, that, i wanted to mention because you kind of made me think of it is like going back to like the late 90s and the early 2000s it seemed like every local scene had a couple like really shitty bands and you don't really find that anymore though you know what i mean like all these up-and-coming bands now like they know how to play their instruments like 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 there's not very many bad bands anymore like there's Mm -hmm. there's a ton of bands but they're all good you know what i mean like it's crazy like i don't Like I said in the beginning, like, I know what I like, like, for hardcore and shit, like, I'll still check out, like, different genres sometimes, but, like, even, like, the metalcore stuff, like, I can tell by listening to it, I'm like, yo, this stuff sounds good, you know, like, there's not like, like, 25 years ago, like, you would have to really sift through and be like, yo, there's so much, there's only a few good releases, you know what I mean? But now it Mm -hmm. seems like everybody has their lane, and they all, they all sound good, you know?
2: Yeah, well, and a lot of that is a tribute to, like, a lot of the people that are in these bands, or in, like, five of them. Um, like the the kid the kids that are in direct threat um were also in combat force, and then some of them play in Candy Apple and like a couple other local bands, and then there's Edith Pike, um, who like one of those kids is in another band called Asbestos, and then another one of those kids is in another couple bands, like so it's a lot of the same people doing all these different projects. So, like the talent pool like is small but it's like spread very thin to a lot of different projects
0: that's how every city pretty much is though because i mean greg you know that rochester's always been like that too like we it, it's it, there was literally like five or ten people that were in like every band in the early 2000s and, and now yeah. like even the even the bands now it seems like there's like multiple like skyler who we interviewed a while back in like six bands you know so yeah
1: and now that like adam Vernick's living back in rochester he's like in five bands again and um yeah, the other thing that I think helps with like band sounding good, like right out of the gate, because I was having a conversation with a friend of mine about that, you know, how like some of these bands, are just all kids in high school, they sound so slick, like it's pretty easy to get a relatively easy and cheap to get a professional sounding recording, which was like not possible, you know, in 1998, um, unless you're going to spend a lot of money. And then on top of that, you know, all these kids have access to the internet, and you can like find all these fucking tutorials on how to like, play blast beats the right way or, you know, like, do some kind of guitar technique. I don't know, I'm a drummer, I don't know shit about that, but, um, you know, like, you 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 can learn, like, right from the pros uh, in a way that was, like, that was never possible when
0: we, we had dial-up. Well, that's the main thing right there, though, Greg, and I know, like you said, you play drums, and Mark and I don't really, so maybe our ears are different for it than yours, but, like, the drumming has always been the main thing for me, like that would either make or break a hardcore band, because there are so many drummers that you hear that they just can't play those beats. And now it seems like everybody can, you know, like 25 years ago, the breakdown, sometimes it'd be like, this dude's got to work on this shit. Or like, even the fast parts, like, I I know, I know it's a very simple thing, but like, not everybody can can do that, that, that thing. You know what I mean? Like, and
1: doing any of that at the volume, you need to do it when you're playing like a DIY show is the talent. Like it's, pretty easy to get it right when you're all mic'd up or have like some studio tricks the other thing too that's going on like as a drummer I used to be able to pick out when bands had like programmed drums in or when they had like a lot of software helping them out you know like even and out double bass rolls that might have sounded choppy but now I like can't I can't it's like the technology is too good you could have like an entirely virtual drummer fuck there's probably like going to be an AI program soon now where you just write a guitar riff and then the AI puts something that sounds, you know, like Slayer underneath it. Um, But I can't pick that out anymore. It's, it's all, it's all sounds legit to me.
0: I'm not sending this off into another tangent with all the weird AI shit that I was reading about and listening to on podcasts recently. I'm just going to say that uh, Mark, I think this has been one of the better conversations that Greg and I have had on the podcast lately. I feel like we've covered a lot of really good topics. Um, If there's anything we missed, uh, I guess now is a pretty good time before I start asking if you want to do like shout outs or anything like that.
2: Um oh I think the, the only other thing that I should probably mention is that we're playing Flyover Fest in uh Tulsa in November. Um so yeah, we, we got asked to play that. Um the implied risk got asked to play it a couple years ago when it was prom core. Um, but the one that we got asked was like in 2020. Um, so it was the one that the first one that got canceled. Uh, but they asked us to come back for this year now it's called Flyover Fest. Um, and that's gonna be really cool. There's a lot of um there's a lot of other Denver bands that are playing that too, like Public Opinion and Raw Breed, um and Mouth for War. So we're pretty stoked on that. Um, and I've never never been to Tulsa before, so that'll be cool. Check that place out. There's a I I know there's like a really good record store there and like a couple good vegan spots, so pretty stoked to head out there and, and play that fest.
0: Yo, shout out to Raw Breed. They played here like uh four years ago and i had been in a really serious car accident a few months before and i legitimately had a neck brace in my backpack that night and they covered uh 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 breakdown uh jail of depression i fucking lost my mind dude i didn't give a fuck that i still had like a broken <laughs> neck and all this shit and i think the singer thought that i was some weirdo off the street because i went up to him afterwards i was like yo thanks for playing that cover or whatever you know and Mm-hmm. Even Jared, who put on the show that we're friends with, friends of the podcast, he's he's told other people about it because they mentioned it to me. They're like, "Oh, you really lost your mind for that uh, that breakdown song, huh?" And I was just like, "Yeah, I, I guess." But, yo, back that that festival is really cool too, right? Because that's like a, a kind of like a benefit type thing too, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's uh, I can't remember the name of the organization, um, but I th- hold on a second. I'm gonna grab my phone because I kind of want. Worn- make sure i get this right
0: yeah no i was because i noticed they were doing it as like a benefit type thing they always do and and we've talked on the podcast before again not to sound too cheesy but the whole more than music thing and and making it you know for a cause uh because obviously there's people that need help and i feel like hardcore people are the ones that you know
2: yeah. Right, so it's a, a benefit for oklahomans for equality um and they do like a lot of stuff with the lgbt community in tulsa um, they do a lot of pride events. Um, they do like advocacy, um, a lot of stuff around healthcare. Um, so it's obviously like, this is a time when organizations like that are very, very important, um, important to support and important to, um, let people know about it. Cause a lot of people like need those resources and it's getting harder and harder for them to access to them because of, you know, laws and, uh, things that are getting passed in different states, especially ones that are a little bit more red than
0: others. And you said Oklahoma, right? That seems like that would be one of them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So shout out to them for for looking out like that. Um, but, yeah, I guess other than that, uh, you, you dropped the date for the, for the split release, right, that you were able to mention that, right, you said?
2: Yeah, the street date is July 7th. Pre-orders went up June 19th um there's uh three labels they're gonna have three different variants of vinyl um so for the collectors it's uh so it's gonna be expensive but it'll be worth it i promise
0: that's the way to do it all right yeah like i said this is a pretty enjoyable interview for for me i don't know about greg but um if if greg doesn't have anything else we could probably just do shout outs and any other plugs you want to do
1: uh, no, I, I'm I think I'm good. I do have I do have a follow-up question though. Like when you booked, you said you booked Link Link 80 uh when mm-hmm. you were in New Mexico New Mexico. Was um was that when that guy Nick was still the singer? No, okay. no.
2: So they had so Nick passed and then they wanted to still keep playing. So they had they had this guy named Stoney, who was actually like their roadie/slash merch guy. Um he did like one or two tours with them, and then they were they Came up with a full time replacement for him, um, but I can't remember that what that dude's name was. But the second time that I booked him, that dude was singing for him. Uh, but I never got to meet Nick, unfortunately. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah, he. Um, I'm sure you guys probably already know this like scene lore, but um, uh, I mentioned that I work in a, in a in a library. I work in a public library, and um, his mother is Danielle Steele, probably like the most popular romance uh, writer there is. I can't tell you, i probably helped like two dozen like little old ladies in their like seventies get, uh, the bio, she like wrote a biography about him mm-hmm. after he passed called his bright light. I've like helped so many like women that are like grandmother age, get that book. And like, there's like legit dozens of old ladies around my town and probably every city in in, in the country who like know all about link 80 and the, the ska punk scene because of, because of that book.
2: Yeah, that, that go- that, my mind was blown when I found that out. I was like, no way. That's crazy. That's his mom.
0: Fuck fuck, Turnstile, man. This Daniel Steele, this shit's about to pop off a whole new Scott scene <laughs> when people all find that out. That's crazy. I never knew that. I um,
2: wish. I wish.
0: No, like I said, this is a fun interview. Um, this will probably air towards the end of the month, so we appreciate you taking the time to do it. Um, do you have any cool. shout-outs or anything else you want to mention before we wrap up?
2: Uh, yeah, shout-out to uh, Best Life Records in the UK, Shout-out to Ugly and Proud Records. Shout-out to Our Pride um, out in California. Uh, Shout-out to Steve, uh, Martyrs and Heroes. Uh, Shout-out to any of my friends who are listening to this, anybody that supports Time Heist, um, all our German fans. If you're listening to this, thank you. We appreciate you, and uh, that's about it.
0: The Hardcore Archive Podcast is Josh Lyons and Greg Benoit with creative support from Rob Antonucci.
1: This podcast is a product of the Rochester Hardcore community, theme song provided by
0: Standfast. Visit Hardcore Archive Podcast on Linktree to listen to past episodes.
1: Follow Hardcore Archive Podcast and Enterprise Hardcore Podcast on Instagram for updates.
0: If you have an idea for an episode or would like to have your band's music featured during the closing credits, please contact us at Hardcore at gmail.com.